Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about AEW and NXT as we get closer and closer to Wednesday. How will AEW recover from what we saw this past Sunday? And could NXT take advantage, or is this Wednesday Night War all coming to an end? Also, we talked to Evan Husney, producer of Dark Side of the Ring, and the new series that premieres tonight on Vice, and that is Dark Side of the Ring Confidential. Also, we get into next week, tickets for this year's WrestleMania go on sale. Will you be attending? A lot to do on this edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Uh, NXT has a huge night ahead on Wednesday, but when you look at what happened on Sunday, a lot of people think, oh my God, that could be a jump the shark moment. I don't think so. There's so much talk about what happened on Sunday and what the explanation is going to be on Wednesday. I'm actually starting to think that more people are going to tune into AEW on Wednesday just to find out what the aftermath is going to be after what took place on Sunday. Your thoughts? My thoughts on what I think AEW is going to do? Or do you think that more fans are going to tune into AEW just kind of like that morbid curiosity of what's going to happen next for AEW after what took place Sunday night? I I do think that there's going to be a percentage of fans who are going to want to see how they clean up their spilled milk, without a doubt. Absolutely. I'm interested to see how they get around it. I think that they should... I, you know, I, I had a couple of ideas last night. Uh, the other, you know, yesterday I said, ah, they should just poke fun at themselves. And then I'm wondering, maybe they should, do they try to turn it into a little bit of a storyline? Like, remember back in the day on Raw, they had that thing called GTV? Yes. I don't know. What if some uh, cameras earlier in the day picked something up like, um, what's Omega's friend? The uh Don the Japanese re- Oh no, I'm sorry. No, no, the Japanese guy. Like the Nakazawa guy, you know, did something to the ring. I, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe they picked up something where they figured out that the ring couldn't explode. But those guys over there are pretty good at poking fun at stuff, especially like the Bucks on BTE. I'm sure they're gonna come up with the witty little idea that like I said, they make fun of themselves. And just basically move on. There's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, you try to turn it into a story. I I would air the footage, or maybe I wouldn't air it on their TV show, but I like the way they went about putting the Moxley promo out there on social media after uh, the, the, the ring didn't explode. 
And who knows, maybe you come back on TV on Wednesday with a straight-up legit promo with Ambrose saying, oh, Ambrose, with Moxley <laughs> saying, um, listen, I lost. I'm going home for a little while. My wife's pregnant. I want to go see the birth of my child, but I'm going to be back. And when I come back, I'm going to probably challenge Kenny Omega to a rematch, and this time I'm building the exploding uh, a ring. There you go. You've just admitted. You just admitted. You know what you're going to go do. You're you're honest and fair with the people. Nobody nobody's going to be pissed at Mox as he's going home to his wife and newly born child. Take some time off, and when I come back, I'm coming back after Kenny Omega, and I want a rematch. And this time, we're going to do it the right way. I like it. If I'm a fan and I hear that, I'm like, you know what? Good. God bless you. I. Listen, mistakes are going to happen, Bully. Things like this do happen. It's unfortunate, but it does. But you always say it's all about the follow-up. Like, you know, what happens? You, you know, simple things like learning how to you know, ride a bicycle. You fall off, you get back on. You know, maybe you do say, you know what? We're going to do this again. We're going to do this again, but the next time we do it, it's going to be the right way and turn it into a story. Yeah, we said, I said the same thing with you. Ignore it, move on, move forward. But you know what? Tony Khan and the presser after Revolution put the blame on Kenny Omega as well. All right. Maybe there is going to be some kind of story that fans are going to buy into. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because NXT has a huge night. I mean, think about this. Tomorrow night on NXT... Finn Balor against Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Io Shirai against Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Championship. And then William Regal is going to make these announcements that one, he says, is landscape changing when it comes to NXT. I mean, that's a huge show for NXT. And AEW is coming off a swing and a miss at a pay-per-view. If AEW could turn this into a positive and they come out a Wednesday and still beat NXT, that tells you a lot about the AEW fan base. Because we talked about the AEW fan base. Hey, they were pretty pissed coming out of that pay-per-view Sunday night. If they still come back and they're able to beat NXT, which I'm looking at NXT and that's a takeover quality show on Wednesday then you want to know something? Maybe it is time for NXT to move to Tuesday night. Normally when NXT does these takeover quality shows, they close the gap on AEW. Um, I think people will tune in just to see how AEW tries to quote-unquote right the wrong. I think people will tune in to see um, possibly what Christian Cage has to say. Yeah, Um, There's enough reason to tune into both shows. Um, I'm not so sure I'm as confident in those AEW loyals as you are, and I'm just going to go by the ratings that we've seen um, throughout the weeks. It doesn't make sense to me most of the time. Um, And last week, if there was ever a week where I thought this is going to be the week where they're going to do a million, I was shocked to see like the 935 number. Still a respectable number for them. Not slagging on them for that number. I'm just saying I've seen them do a higher number. I've seen them do 995 without Shaq in the opening match. I'm not quite sure 
how the fan base is looking at things right now. I think this week will be very indicative. I've been in the past very supportive of AEW fans because I think they've been supportive of their product. Yesterday, we heard people call in diehard AEW fans like, ugh. That's basically what they were like. Oh, man, you know, yeah, it was a great pay-per-view, but that last thing, real last bad taste in my mouth. And some people, some people I actually read on social media who did not think the pay-per-view was that good. People were saying that, yes, the Moxley match, Omega match was good, that match was good, but we had to let down at the end, and they liked the cinematic match. But other than that, I wasn't so sure, or at least fans seemed like they weren't so sure. With the amount of talent they have there, and we've brought this up before, with the amount of talent that they have there, with the names that they have there, the product that they're offering you, I think they need, for for AEW to really be able to look at themselves and go, all right, we're moving forward. You got to hit that million mark. And then once you hit that million mark, you got to keep moving forward. I mean, what do they have to do? What do they have to put out there to hit that million viewer mark? I, I mean, they, like you said, they came close. You figure with everything else involved, it was probably over a million. Um, but, you know, for that live viewing on TV, it was 930, like I think you said, 935,000. Um, to answer your question, I don't know. But again, the, the other question is they had a bad weekend. You know, I mean, perception-wise, they had a bad weekend. So I felt momentum was building. You got 935000 You had the Shaq segment that had people talking. You had a major announcement that you were going to plug into the pay-per-view. You had an exploding barbed wire death match that a lot of hardcore pro wrestling fans couldn't wait to see. And he had a bit of a dud on Sunday. So did that momentum get killed off? You know, is 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 this a chance for NXT to jump to jump in and get a win? NXT desperately needs a win here on Wednesday nights. If there was ever an oppor- ever an opportunity for NXT to win Wednesday night, bully, you would have to agree. This is the Wednesday night that they could get a win. They just uh, um, AEW had a swing and a miss on a pay per view. I would think that the honeymoon period is probably over for AEW after what we saw on Sunday. And NXT has a huge night on Wednesday, a takeover worthy Wednesday night where you said, hey, most of the time when they do have a win on Wednesdays, it's when they have these type of Wednesdays. You got two championship matches on Wednesday, and and Regal's got two huge announcements, landscape changing announcements. If there was ever a setup for a win, it's got to be this Wednesday, correct? But if I was a jury and you just presented that case to me, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. But what does quote unquote winning one week really matter? I mean, it has been pretty lopsided, whatever you said it was, 52 to 9 or whatever whatever the hell the numbers were. 59 to 6. And if I'm not mistaken, Cody went on record to basically take a shot at NXT and said, yeah, we've blown them out of the water for the past couple of weeks. Ed, am I right about that one? Yeah, there's a statement here. He was talking to the local ESPN affiliate in Jacksonville. He says, and I quote, we have destroyed them for over a year now in that space. Them leaving, perhaps that opens up a different viewership for us on Wednesdays. 
We're not reactionary to their booking and won't change anything we do uh, with what they decide to do on Wednesdays. Well, you know what? All right, taking that quote from from Bully, from from Cody Bully, I'll say this. If AEW beats NXT on Wednesday after what we saw and what they have set up, I, I really do think that quote-unquote war Wednesday Night War is over. I mean, it's been lopsided. If there was ever an opportunity for NXT to get a win, this Wednesday would be a win. If AEW beats NXT, that war is over. And then I'm going to hold Cody to what he says in that, all right, stop booking the show like they, you have competition. Now you look forward to AEW and you build AEW and your show on Wednesday night. You own Wednesday night. Let things breathe a little bit more. Let segments breathe a little bit more. Let stories breathe a little bit more. And don't book the show like, and we got to keep throwing things, got to keep throwing things, got to keep throwing things because we have competition. That competition is over. If AEW beats NXT on Wednesday night, bully. From a perception point of view, if you're the NXT, if you're WWE, would you rather continue to quote unquote lose every week or would you rather move your show to another night and now the perception becomes AEW beat you up so bad you had to move one of your shows? I I, I say you make the move and here's why, Bully, because you're right. You take your lump. Hey, AEW kicked our ass. But you know what? AEW kicked our ass. People... After the, you know how it, how quickly the the world of pro wrestling moves. After a few weeks, and people get used to watching NXT on Tuesday nights, they're not going to be thinking about that any anymore. You know, a year down the road, they're not going to be thinking. But if you continue to put NXT, which we think is a great product, each and every week against AEW, and people aren't watching your show like they should. They're much. You would agree, boy. As much as we talk about that million mark for AEW, there needs to be more people watching NXT that just aren't. Let's move it to another night. Let's take our lump. Let's take our hit. Let's move on and and make our our home on Tuesday nights moving forward. And in time, people will forget about this Wednesday night war. People will forget about it, except AEW fans who will fly this flag for a long time. I want to harp on one word that Cody used and tell me if you agree or not. He said they destroyed them in that space. Do you think AEW has destroyed NXT for the past year? Uh, Destroyed is, is strong, but it has been lopsided. Like, you won. You beat them. It's it's you beat them handedly. It's been lopsided. Let's leave it at that. I think destroyed is a little strong because there have been weeks that NXT has won, and there's been weeks where AEW has won. But you know what? The margin of victory hasn't been that large. Uh, but I do think that NXT needs to move off Wednesday. Listen, here's the thing: they may their 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 hand may be forced in this. If they're going to stay on USA and hockey is moving to Wednesday nights in the fall, let's make this move now around WrestleMania period, get people used to the Tuesday night lineup, and let's move on and let's move forward. As a fan, I would like to see these shows on two separate nights. As a professional who has to come on this show and talk about the shows, I'd rather see them on two separate nights. Yes. 
it's it's simple to me and i think both shows will will benefit and i encourage nxt fan if they do move nights and they have their own night to themselves both companies i hope nxt fans watch aew and i watch hope aew fans watch nxt i think they will by the way I, i hope they do yeah because as a professional who knows what the fuck he's talking about, both of those shows have so much to offer. No matter what you want, you'll find on those shows. Why wouldn't you watch them both? What, what I, we always compare things to rock and roll, Dave. What? And Ed, I'll, Ed, I'll throw this out to you too because you're a rock and roller. What two bands are we watching out there? Can you compare uh, Van Halen no, I, and the Scorpions? I, no, I like uh, I like your I like your Rush Kiss comparison. AEW is Kiss, and NXT is Rush. I kind of like that because you know NXT is, is yeah. But if you give me a choice, I'm going to Kiss every single night. Well, I mean, if you give me a choice, I'm going to AEW every single night. But I still love NXT. But on separate nights, you're going to go to both, right? Yes. Yeah, so I guess the analysis yes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn down going to see Rush. Yeah, so that I guess I guess the bands that I u- usually that I usually use work. You're not gonna pick like, up any chicks at the Rush concert, but I know where you're zero, going. None, <laughs> none, 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 no chicks. Just like at your uh accept concerts or at your Queen's Ride concerts, no chicks. That's not true. Just Awful. Not, not chicks you want to bring home. But, because you want to go hang out with a bunch of dudes in denim jackets who smell like they haven't showered in a week and a half. Once in a while. Um, but but I do agree with you that, I mean, I mean, consistently, consistently bully. These are the two best shows in pro wrestling. I mean, how many times have you and I come on on the Thursday morning and said, wow, AEW was awful? I don't think we have. You know, we have never come on on a Thursday morning and said, boy, NXT was bad last. That does not happen. SmackDown has been very good, but there are times that we've had stinkers. Raw is hit or miss. One week they're good, next week they're not. But AEW and NXT in this year and a half has been consistent. Consistent. They're, They're consistently two of the better shows week in and week out in pro wrestling. AEW has growing pain problems that with some real easy fixes could stop happening real quick. Because what do we talk about? The rules, the refs, mm-hmm. you know, the shit on the floor, things not making not making a ton of sense. You can fix those problems really, really easy. All you got to do is listen to this show. And then implement what we talk about on the show. It's simple. You can do it in a week. And your product would become so much better. Your in-ring product would become so much better. I see individuals trying to do this. Hell, remember the other night, we were, the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Brit and... Uh, and uh, Thunder Rosa? Thunder Rosa. Listen, you know, adhering to the rules. Yep. Getting back in the ring before the 10 count. The referee's trying to do a better job. That makes a world of difference. They don't have 
major issues. They're glaring issues, but they can be fixed real quick. And maybe this past weekend was a blessing in disguise. And let me explain. You have a swing and a miss. It happens. You know, things are going to happen. Things that are out of your control can happen. And that happened on Sunday. Also, you and Mark talked about it at length on the show yesterday. Christian. Even Gail Kim talked about Christian Cage. This is somebody who cares. This is somebody who knows the ins and outs. This is somebody that can help that locker room. So let's think about it in these terms, Bully. The honeymoon period is over. Hey, we got to work from behind a little bit here. We had a bit of a screw up on Sunday. We got to make up for what happened on Sunday. Plus, we have somebody now, and along with the big show, are people that can help out this locker room, can mentor our talent. You just said it. Christian doesn't hold any punches. He's very dry in his delivery. So he could sit down and be like, listen, you want to get better? Listen to me. He's somebody that's not going to kiss your ass. So when somebody comes through that curtain and didn't have a great night, he's one that will say to you, you know what? Not a great job, but you could be better. And here's how. Tightening of the screws that you always talk about, bully. So if you're you're past the, uh, hey, you know what? When you first get married, your wife's shit don't stink for the first year. Then it starts to stink a little bit. Okay, let's not talk about this stuff. Come on. That's disgusting. What's wrong with you? But that makes your your that makes you as a couple stronger. When you start to see the flaws a little bit and realize it and work on it, it makes your relationship stronger. Now AEW has seen some of the flaws. It's- Once you recognize it, once you know that it needs to be fixed, that is going to make your show stronger. Dave, pyro not going off when it was supposed to go off is not does not tell AEW about all their flaws. It was a wardrobe malfunction. It was a mishap. Their flaws, their imperfections are a lot more than that. That just that was just bad timing on a bad night. I can actually see past that. I get that. Hell, the WWE blew off Kane's pyro last night, and one of the posts didn't go up. Same shit. Yeah, but nobody's talking about that. Nobody, you know what I'm is, saying? My, my point is this. If, you wanna, if we're going to take a piece of paper and put the pros and cons of AEW down on paper, on the cons side, the, pro, the, the cons are a lot more than the pyro not going off at, at the end of the exploding death match. The cons are very specific things adhering to your own rules that you set forth, having referees actually do their job, having talent not bastardize and whore out referees and make them seem ineffective and and useless, tag teams actually, uh, you know, um, doing having tag team matches like they're supposed to be, you know, had... You can only do Wild Wild West for so long. There's a reason why in this world of sports entertainment, there's rules. Work within the parameters of them. Nobody's telling you you can't do all the dives and super kicks and 450s and acai moonsault and tope suicidas you won't. That you want to do. 
Just make them make sense. Have the referees actually doing something instead of just standing there and watching the match as if they were a fan. That's it. You don't hear me. But you don't hear me singling. What what else do you hear me busting their chops about? You don't hear me singling out uh, individual talents like, oh, this talent sucks. They shouldn't be doing this, or or what? Have, I've been saying the same shit from day one. Well, you you talked about if you made a so, list. So yeah. so if they want to get the, the 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 smack in the face should not be pyro not going off. The smack in the face should be. Guys like myself who talk honestly about your product and say, hey, hope, hey, by the way, if you tightened up this, this, and that, your in-ring would probably be a lot better. God bless. Go knock them dead, kids. If you're the owner of a company or a veteran in the company or whatever, and you hear somebody who's been around the block saying shit for the same shit over and over and over again, you might want to take notice. And you know how I know I'm right? Because enough of those guys get in touch with me to say, you're right. So it is what it is. One day they'll get it. No, but, but that's okay. Growing pains. But uh, first of all, you say, well, you, you say growing pains. And you mentioned about the list. And, uh, and I will say this, Bully. If you made a list of the pros and cons that you said, there's a hell of a lot more pro- pros to AEW than there is cons. There's no doubt about it. Very successful show. Great first year and a half. There's no doubt. Things need to change. Absolutely. Are there growing pains? What I'm saying is that this past weekend, for what it was, bit of a wake-up call, bit of a loss. Hey, when you're on a win streak and things are going great, sometimes you need a little bit of a loss to get you to wake up. Maybe this is a wake-up call to change some of those things that you're talking about. That's all I'm saying. But if you get a win on Wednesday with the show that NXT has got written out for us, two huge announcements and a, and a takeover caliber show, then that it's a wake-up call for NXT that this defensive move is not working. A defensive move only works if you start to win a little bit. They haven't been winning. So I think it's best for business to move to Tuesday. But again, I don't think they have a choice because it's a wake-up call when the NHL who doesn't really do well in the ratings is make is forcing your your hand to move your product to another night. That's a bit of a wake up call too. But the way uh, do you think if do you think if NXT was doing a million viewers every week they still wouldn't get moved or bumped out of the way by the NHL? They probably would still get moved. They would have they would to be doing earth shattering numbers. Let me ask you this: this week, if NXT and AEW tie in the ratings, or if NXT wins, is that a momentum shifter? Yes. You think that in you you think like when the WWE said uh, this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. Do you think one week is uh, indicative of NXT catching up to AEW? Um. We would need a little bit of consistency. Like we, sure. we would need, like I think, if we got to two or three weeks of NXT beating AEW, then then you could take that statement from the WWE and say, "This is what they, you know." Let's not forget, this is a marathon, not a race. But not I think it would take more than just one. But I do think if NXT 
wins, uh, if NXT wins on Wednesday, it is a it is a discussion point. It's almost like, oh, whoa. Even if NXT were to win this Wednesday, I still don't want to see them stick around on Wednesday nights. I, I'd like to see the two products completely separate. I think it's going to be a lot better for fans and and in turn better for the product. And the way people are today, they will forget about it. Although AEW fans will rub it in the face of the WWE, but you know, Hey, whatever. But that's, but like, that's their uh, way. That's their way. Cause AEW is in a lot of way. The AEW fan base is anti WWE. Oh yeah. So, you got this. There's one guy tweeting us incessantly right now. He's tweeting us like, Day-by-day ratings, hour-by-hour ratings. He's, like, defending AEW to the end as we're talking about it. It's like, God forbid you say anything that's even remotely negative about AEW. Nobody's saying anything negative. Listen, I mean, I, I can't coming out of pretty show, fair and honest. Coming out of that show yesterday, I, I had AEW fans killing me for criticizing the pay per view, and then I had WWE fans saying I was defending AEW. So you, you you can't win with these hardcore fan bases, boy. You just I've I've given up trying. You shouldn't be trying to win. There's nothing to win on this show. This show, we win every day with our honesty. We win every day with our assessments. We win every day with wrestling fans because they know they can tune in and hear, get it the way it is, not sugarcoated. And we win with wrestlers who listen to this show because they know we're going to be fair to them. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Back here on Busted Open, Dave LaGreca, Bully Ray. And very pleased to have friend of the show. We've had this gentleman on a lot over the last couple of years. And a big reason why we're talking to him today is it is the premiere of Dark Side of the Ring Confidential tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Vice. And to talk about this show is somebody, Bully, that I know you always love talking to, and that is... Evan Husney. Evan, how are you this morning? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're good, man. And listen, a lot of people still talk uh, about Dark Side of the Ring. At least once a week, I talk to somebody. Some of these people aren't even necessarily wrestling fans that are still watching Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. And I'm very, very happy about this new series that starts tonight. Um think you probably could have done a better job of getting uh, a host other than conrad thompson <laughs> but i digress but uh it's gonna it's good to see no seriously conrad's great you as well for dark side of the ring confidential where you go back and you go over the episodes of the first two seasons and have a nice talk show some deleted scenes i'm really looking forward to what we're going to see tonight yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Vice uh, Vice TV came to us and wanted to reinvigorate uh, the first two seasons to kind of replay them, uh, gearing up for season three. And they kind of put it to us like, hey, what would you guys want to do? And we sort of, you know, we have a podcast with, with Conrad called, you know, Dark Side of the Podcast, where we talk about each of the episodes after they air. And then we started like, well, we'll just kind of take that to TV. And so 
because we heard that, you know, people were interested in the behind the scenes stories and making these episodes and our process and selecting the stories and other information and deleted scenes that we couldn't fit into the runtime and stuff like that. So this kind of gave us that opportunity to look back at uh, episodes from previous seasons and just kind of expand upon them. And also we interviewed some, uh, uh, some other folks for it too. You know, Tommy Dreamer comes in, the Blue Meanie comes in, uh, you know, and so that's just really cool. So we were able to kind of even just expand upon all these stories that, that we've featured on previous seasons. Um, and this first episode tonight, I, you're going back and looking on uh, Gino Hernandez, which I thought was a great episode that was early on in the first season. Like, what more additions are you going to be doing for that episode, deleted scenes? And, and the, what's the conversation going to be like talking about that episode? Well, the the Gino Hernandez episode is definitely, you know, a very close one to both Jason Eisner and I, you know, who, who makes the show with me. That was just such a wild experience, probably one of the more wilder behind the scenes uh, experiences we had making the show, because, you know, it really was like most of the episodes that you that we cover in the show. I mean, you know, they're sort of in the zeitgeist of wrestling, like you kind of know the beginning, middle and end of a lot of these stories. The Gino story was like this really kind of purely journalistic exercise where we didn't know at all where the story was going. And, you know, we met some very interesting characters along the way, some of which we whose voices we had to disguise and, you know, keep anonymous. And, you know, we had to meet with people off the record in weird locations. Our car was broken into and um, someone was trying to hotwire it. You know, it was a crazy experience we had making this show, this particular episode. So we felt it was a good one to start with. And because it was so personal and it just, it just went, it, it just went places I never thought as a wrestling fan uh, or even just making the show, you know, that we would be able to help a family, you know, um, have some closure with, you know, a question that's been on their mind for over 35 years is, you know, was my son Gino Hernandez, uh, did he die because of a tragic accident or was it something more nefarious? You know, was he murdered? So it was just this really, really heavy, heavy situation we were getting ourselves into making the show. Evan, how many episodes of this new show will there be? There's going to be eight. Um, so we're looking at four episodes from season one. Uh, we're looking at uh, Gorgeous Gino, The Montreal Screwjob, uh, The Last of the Von Erics, and The Killing of Bruiser Brody. Those will be the ones we're looking at from season one. And then season two, we're looking at uh, The Life and Crimes of New Jack, The Last Ride of the Road Warriors, The Final Days of Owen Hart, and uh, the the... Yeah, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Cocaine and Cowboy Boots, the Herb Abrams story. <laughs> so those are the eight that we're going to be looking back at and expanding upon. Um, with these first four, uh, did any new information come out that you think fans will find uh, any more interesting than what aired on the original episodes? Yeah, tons of stuff. Um, on the on the Montreal Screwjob episode, um, we were able to talk to Mike Kyoto, the uh, WWE referee Mike Kyoto, who uh, ah, okay. you know was recently, yeah, yeah who yeah who, who recently was just uh, who's, who's been out been out of the company now for a little bit, and so he gives his his perspective of how events uh, unfolded that night. Also, kind of sharing the, the referee perspective, like uh, Earl Hebner did um, in that episode, which is cool. Um, in the Killing of the Bruiser Brody episode, one of our biggest regrets with that episode, um, mostly because timing didn't work out, is Savio Vega's story of what took place in the locker room that night between uh, Brody and Jose Gonzalez. Um, his story he had recently, he basically came out with right after we had finished our episode, and we didn't know, you know, that Savio went to the trial. Savio was there, and, 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 and he saw some 
saw and heard some things that night that um, you know just add more to the mystique of it. Um, so that's also going to be interesting in that episode. And unfortunately, um, you know, Road Warrior Animal passed since the right. timing uh, of your Dark Side of the Ring episode as well. And it's amazing that these stories that you're telling that are decades old, that still, even after, you know, the release of these episodes, that there's new information that comes out. Well, I'm really glad you brought up the Road Warriors episode because that obviously, you know, is one of the main reasons why we chose it uh, to do, to, to, to cover on Confidential was so we could pay tribute to Animal, um, you know, who really was the main instigator behind getting that episode, you know, made in the first place. He was almost like, I, I would even call him a producer of that episode in a lot of ways in terms of all the work he did, wrangling everybody and putting it all together, um, you know, with us. And there is, uh, we... We actually filmed this scene, which was really cool. We actually brought everybody back to Minneapolis, which is where I'm from, too. But we, we brought Animal, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, Paul Ellering and, um, you know, all those guys we brought back, uh, um, um, Eddie Sharkey. And we had them uh, do like a roundtable discussion, which we never actually used in the episode. Um, and so, in, so on, on Confidential, we were able to unearth that footage. Um, of all these guys sitting around kind of reminiscing about old road stories. And it's, you know, effectively, you know, ostensibly probably the last footage um, of Joe that might exist, you know? And so, um, so that's also really cool just to see all those guys, you know, hanging out and spending time together. What was it like um, being in the same room with all those personalities sitting at the table together and reminiscing? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Like, it almost felt like there's another show to be made in that format, you know, um, because... Does it almost come like, off like a, like a table for three kind of vibe? It's a table for three kind of vibe. Um, you know, Scott Norton was there, too. Barry Darso was there. I forgot to mention them. They're all there, too. So, and, you know, it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was, I think it was looser than a table for three, you know? I mean, people were having some drinks and people were reminiscing and it was just cool to see. And, and, you know, one story would evolve into the next. And one crazy thing, road story. I mean, Scott Norton told some crazy stories, uh, <laughs> which you'll see some up on the Confidential episode. But it was just really cool just to be in the presence of all those legends and just to, you know, because these guys have not only had, you know, wrestled together, and, you know, but these guys go so far back. Not only just to, like, some, some of them went to school together and then some of them, you know, worked together as bouncers in a bar well before they became wrestlers. So these guys just go way back. And it was just, it was so cool. There was actually a story that Scott Norton told that almost killed Eddie Sharkey because Eddie Sharkey was crying with laughter so hard that I was actually concerned for his physical uh, state. Um, so he'll see that uh, as well uh, in the confidential episode. You know, Evan, I remember the, the first time we met, it was the, the first star cast. I guess it was like September 1st of 2018. And that's where mm -hmm. they premiered the Bruiser Brody episode. And you look at where this whole idea was, you know, less than three years ago and where it is right now. You know, two extremely successful seasons and now like a spinoff series. And we're awaiting the mm -hmm. third season of Dark Side of Ring. Did you have any inkling that this show is going to be as a big a su success as it has been? No. Um, you know, I was, I, it, I, I think about it a lot in terms of, you know, where this is, where this has gone just in such a short amount of time. And did I ever think we'd get to a season three? I mean, even if you asked me last year, 
if I thought we'd do a season three, I probably didn't <laughs> think that we would. Um, and, you know, season three is such a monster season, too. It's 14 episodes. So by the end of this season, you know, there's going to be 30 episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, 30 hours of the show. I just never would have imagined that we would have had that opportunity to do that. So that's just like kind of crazy. And especially with the Dark Side spinoffs and now doing a, a talk show and, and all the other, you know, different things that are going on. I mean, it's, 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 it's awesome. And it's so cool to see that, you know, the wrestling world is into it, the, the fan base is into it. And, you know, it's just something that's just going to keep evolving and growing. I hope in the best it, way possible. Is there a particular episode of season three that uh, <laughs> you, you think people will, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to go. Well, you don't have to say, but is there yeah. a particular episode that you, you find is coming together better than another season or that you really feel all oh, people are going to really love this one? Yes, of course. I mean, there's, you know, last time I think the three of us spoke, I was somewhere in remote Wyoming, I think, or something, talking about the, the WCW North Korea episode. Um, uh, the two other episodes that we've announced that we're doing, you know, the cat's out of the bag, is uh, the season three premiere episode. The date hasn't been announced yet. It will soon. But the season three premiere episode is going to be a two-part, two-hour special on Brian Pillman. Um, and that episode to me, um, I'm really excited, um, to, to, to debut because I believe that that story, Brian Pillman's story just exemplifies all the themes that we cover on our show, the reality versus fiction, the blurred lines, getting lost in the character, becoming the character. It has all of those elements and it has such a strong emotional family side, uh, as well to that story. Um, and I never would have thought that it would have been something we would have dived two hours into, but it was so clear that while we were making it and cutting it together, that there's no way that it could have been one hour. There's no possibility for that. So um, it's really cool to kind of go all out for that story. Um, it's really cool that, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin is in the episode as well, and he lends his perspective. Obviously, you know, those, you know, Brian and Steve came up together in the Hollywood Blondes and you know, so uh, that 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 episode, I'm I'm so excited for. I think it's really one of our best. Um, and then the other one is a completely <laughs> completely different. I think it's what's really cool about season three is there's a lot of different tones of episodes. You know, you got the true crime ones, you got the uh, kind of like event, you know, WCW North Korea kind of deconstructions, and then you have you know stuff like this. The Nick Gage story is one I never would have thought, you know, when we were chilling in 2018 that we would be doing, um, <clears throat> you know, looking at maybe the most contemporary story that we've told um, on the show, um, which is just, you know, looking into that world of deathmatch wrestling. And Nick Gage is this character who's just been through so much. And um, it's really kind of this cult icon in that deathmatch underworld. Um, and, of course, you know, he robbed a bank and he went through all these, you know, different, um, you know, career metamorphoses and, 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 and now he's, you know, even still going on and going strong and emerging. And uh, I think that episode is going to take people by surprise because it certainly did me because I'm not a deathmatch guy. And this was just something that was completely eye-opening to me uh, making it. So tons of exciting stuff to look forward to. Evan, just getting back to the Pillman episode real quick. Uh, when I first sure. broke into ECW, I got to be around Pillman for a brief, uh, brief moment. Do you get mm -hmm. to cover ever uh, any of his time in ECW? And if so, who did you get to speak with? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that that part of his 
his career trajectory of, you know, after he becomes a free agent, more or less, you know, um, coming out of WCW and appearing in the middle ground, you know, appearing in ECW and where he can do anything. He can go off the rails and he can be as crazy as he wants to be. And there's going to be no network consequences or anything. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Steve talks about Steve Austin talks about seeing it, you know, uh, seeing it, uh, watching it on television. And it's cool because Steve was, even though he was friends with Brian, he didn't want to know what Brian was doing. You know, he didn't want to know if this was a work or if this was a shoot. You know, he wanted to just have it live on and be something that was, you know, crazy and entertaining and off the wall because it was what Brian was doing in ECW. Um, and, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, like a lot of the, the cast of characters that we have in the episode definitely is an intimate cast of people that are, that are also telling the story. A lot of family members, you know, and Steve and, and, you know, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette, you know, a lot of the usuals there, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I can't wait for you guys to see it so we can, we can talk about it hopefully on the show. Absolutely. And you know what? There's always things that pop up. Look, and for season four, you can do the end of AEW's resolution <laughs> from Sunday night. So there's always, <laughs> there's always things that pop up in the wrestling world. Well, I was told there might be they'd a, few, be a uh, <laughs> There might be a few uh, exploding rings uh, uh, in season three. I'll, maybe I'll drop that as a little nugget uh, here on that. Uh, I'm busted open. Oh, okay. I love okay. it, Evan. Thank you very much. And again, uh, the show is Dark Side of the Ring Confidential. Evan and Conrad will dip into the uh, four episodes from season one, four episodes from season two, some deleted scenes. They go in-depth, tell stories about the filming of those episodes, and that premieres tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Vice. Evan, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Yes, you too, guys. Take care. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple. Apple Podcasts. Let's get back into Monday Night Raw, though, because or, or else he's going to get very angry. Why? <laughs> I don't want to talk about Raw. No, but we're talking a little bit about the anticipation towards okay. WrestleMania. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you just said, they showed the video package last night. Gets you hyped up. I'm interested to find out how many people are going to make the trip. Now that tickets are on sale, if there are going to be people that make the trip to Tampa, if it's just going to be local people that are going to go to WrestleMania 37. I'm, I'm very, very hopeful, Bully, by the time we get to SummerSlam this year, that things are going to be somewhat back to normal. Maybe we can have a full arena full of people again. I'm you know, crossing my fingers. But you know what? I'm I'm expecting at least like twenty-five to 30,000 uh, people fans in attendance at, you know, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa for this year's WrestleMania. I'm interested to hear from the nation if people now that they know tickets are officially going to be on sale next week, if they're going to make the trip to Tampa for a little bit of normalcy in their lives for WrestleMania. I hope so. Weather's getting warmer, three vaccines, things to be see th- things seem to be looking better and better every single day. And the floodgates are going to open this year because I think people after, hey, remember, two weeks to flatten the curve. It's only been a year. I think people are ready to get out of their house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been a year, man. 
Think about that. It was uh, it was March the 12th that I got the phone call that, hey, don't come to work. Uh, we're going to be we're going to close down for two weeks and then we'll re- reopen. Well, like you just said, that was we're going on a year on Friday, which is crazy if you think about it. But, you know, we have been on pause for one year and it's now last year. Zero fans in attendance. Hopefully we can get twenty five to 30,000 fans. But I'm wondering from our very own Busted, Busted Open Nation if there are people that are willing to take the trip or if they're going to wait out, see like exactly what's going to take place. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear. 877-344-4893. 877-FIGHT93. And speaking, Bully, of the Busted Open Nation, let's go out to Tim in Tampa. What's going on, Tim? Sorry, guys. That's all right. We'll wait. Yo, yo. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Well, Tim is very, very sorry. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, It's a shit show Tuesday here on Busted Open. All right. Let's say our prayers, cross our fingers, and go to Corey in Rockland. What's going on, Corey? Hey, guys. First of all, I'm... I'm telling you right now, I'm going to WrestleMania. I already made my plans weeks ago, and I was just waiting for tickets to go on sale. Boom. All right, cool, man. That's cool. Like, all right, so you already made your plans. You're going to WrestleMania. The one thing, though, Corey, is it's obviously going to be unlike the WrestleManias from a couple years ago with all the events and everything. I don't even know. You know how how much the WWE is going to do as far as like fan access and everything else, but you don't give a shit. It's like, hey, things are opening up a little bit. Tickets are on sale for WrestleMania. I'm going to be there. Yep, I'm going to have my second vaccination by then, and I just can't wait to for that first person who comes out of that curtain and their music hits. That pop is going to be absolutely insane. If I'm a performer, I want to be the first person out that curtain with my music hitting. You, you know are what, Corey? correct, Corey. And bully for for you know for somebody who's a Hall of Famer, performer, pro wrestler. Like I gotta think the wrestlers are spitting at the bit to get fans back in attendance, just to hear some kind of a reaction. And if they let's just say it's twenty five thousand fans in that stadium for WrestleMania, both you know April tenth and eleventh, that's probably gonna sound like two hundred thousand fans compared to working the way that they've been working. For the past year, it's going to sound a hell of a lot better. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think. Uh, well, no, I don't want to say I don't think people understand because that would be downplaying how smart they really are. I want fans to appreciate. Uh, I want them to know and appreciate how much wrestlers appreciate them and their feedback when it comes to the match. I'm not talking about hijacking matches and being a douchebag. I'm talking about it being emotionally invested in making that noise because making that noise is what gets guys and gals through because they're performing for you. Um, A lot of wrestlers have gone on record to say that they've been able to perform better once the WWE started piping in noise into the Thunderdome. You have something to react to. When you have nothing to react to, you're not quite sure if it went the right way, if it went the wrong way. You you have to have some kind of a sounding board. Imagine performing every single day and, and, and nobody was listening, Dave. 
You have yeah. nothing. You know, you didn't take. We didn't take phone calls. We didn't get. To, we didn't have feedback from Ed or, or or Gabby. There was nothing there to react to to bounce off of. Once these people come flooding, it's going to be like a rush. It's going to be. It's, it'll be a shot of adrenaline for almost every single wrestler who gets to experience it for the first time. Fans are back. Well, bully. That don't forget. Like, oh, go ahead, Corey. Go ahead, Corey. Sorry about that. Oh, Corey, you still I'm, there? I said that, yeah, I said that building is going to shake with 25,000 fans or 30,000 fans. So that first, you know, those first couple hours, that building is going to shake because everybody is just jonesing to go back to live shows. And it's something that most of the people go to every year. And it just, it's our happy place in a way. Yeah. Plus it's going to shake brother. Don't you know who's on top? (laughs) Hogan said that at WrestleMania three. Corey, thanks for the phone call. And he's right. Um, I, I agree with you, Bully, in, in every aspect. You know, you talking as a performer and Corey talking about as the fan. Like, don't forget, Bully, at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, we did a lot of shows for a few months where we taped it beforehand. So we weren't able to interact with the Busted Open Nation at all. And it felt weird. It just didn't feel natural. And I'm sure it's it's felt unnatural. Here's the other thing, too. Like, look at AEW Dynamite, Bully. They have been on longer during this pandemic than without. Think about it. Like, for a year, this show has been on the air, you know, during this pandemic. They've had a little bit of a fan base, but not nearly what it was like, you know, when they first started that show. So it's going to be interesting. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. One of the great things about WrestleMania, Bully, is not so much what happens, you know, WrestleMania night, but all the festivities that surround WrestleMania and all the events and everything else that takes place, probably not going to get that this year. And that might sway people from not going to Tampa for WrestleMania. I think there's going to be more of that than people expect, especially from the smaller independent promotions, because I think they're going to want to get back up and running. And what a weekend to kick it off uh, the WrestleMania weekend. Uh, yes, I understand what Joe is saying, that there are some people who are still going to be concerned about COVID and everything that comes with it. I look at it from the perspective of three vaccines going to be warmer, uh, more light at the end of the tunnel than I think our government or the news tells us. Social distancing. Are, yeah. Yeah. Take, taking, taking, um, taking necessary precautions for another couple of months um i think i think people are i think for the most part people have had enough and are ready to get back to life and you know it's it's kind of like baby steps right bully like it's not like all right here we are at the door open the door now go into into the other room it's kind of baby steps says i always bring up aew daily's place as an example look at revolution you know they had about what 1500 people in attendance at revolution socially distanced masks like you know they understand the concerns 
taking the proper safety precautions. You know that the WWE is going to be on top of any kind of safety protocol, making sure that there's social distancing and everything else. Just follow the same protocol at the Super Bowl. No negative no yep. negative news came out of the Super Bowl with regards to COVID. Well, and they and WWE said, bully, and tell me if I'm wrong, they were kind of using the Super Bowl as a barometer for them. Why? Because it's in the same exact stadium as the Super Bowl was. So they were kind of kind of gauge what the NFL was going to do. And like you said, it was an extre- it was extremely successful, not only for the safety of the fans, but also for the people watching at home. Like it's it seemed like a full stadium of people. So judging by that, I think that the WWE and you know the WWE production staff always goes above and beyond, especially when it comes to WrestleMania. I think they'll have all the safety precautions in place, but they'll make it seem and sound and look like a full stadium of people. I completely agree. Go to Daly's place for dynamite. Go to WrestleMania. Yeah. Very, very interested what's going to take place. I think this is an interesting discussion from the nation because, Bully, I think you would agree. We have been on this journey with you this last year. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of ups and downs. uh, But I feel, and this is just my opinion, of course I want everyone to be safe and to be healthy. But I feel like almost like there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I feel like there's some change that is happening. Like Bully said, the vaccinations are out. People are getting their vaccinations. People are taking the proper safety protocol, which is extremely important during this time. But I also believe after a year, people are itching to get around people again. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 